Hey, what's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. Today we are talking about infertility and a lot of immaturity. Stay with us. Hey, good folks. I am John, and this is the Dr. John Deloney Show. It's a caller-driven show. We're talking to real people about real challenges. What kind of challenges? Talking about relationships, relational IQ, your mental health, parenting, dating, right? Being a good friend or that annoying guy at your office that will not shut up about keto and how great his life is now that he's on keto. Dude, I don't eat grains and sugars either. We get it, man. And while I'm here, vegans, congratulations, we get it. You are morally superior to the rest of us. You are incredible. And I do mental health for a living. And I've tried to figure out how carrots and lettuce elevate the human spirit. I don't get it, but good for you. But how about this? Let's just turn it back a couple of notches. Just let's dial it back. We're all on the same team here. and We're all moving forward. Anyway, in a world of chaos, a world where people just need truth, and they want a second opinion, I'm here to walk with you. So give me a call at 1-844-693-3291. That's 1-844-693-3291. Keto, fanatics, vegans, everybody's welcome. Everybody belongs on the Dr. John Deloney Show. I hope you're doing well. Hope everybody's doing okay. Last night at my house, man, a wackadoo tornado storm came through and knocked all the power out, the internet out, the satellite, everything was out. Uh, my wife just texted and said she's on the phone on hold with the internet company. She said her estimated wait time is 478 minutes, and she said, and I'm not even kidding. So that's the kind of morning we woke up to, but we're going to make it good. We're going to have fun, and we're going to go straight to the phones here. we got Justin in Las Vegas, Nevada. Justin, how are you this morning, man? I'm doing well. How about you, Dr. D? Doing all right, brother. How can I help, man? Uh, so, yeah, a little backstory. Uh, my wife and I, we've been married for about 10 years. Uh, about five or so years ago, we found out that we can't have uh, children naturally. Okay. Um, so we're hoping to, hoping to adopt soon. Uh, but my, my question comes from, um, my wife has a younger sister. She's about 10 years younger. Um, her husband got married about a year ago and just found out uh, that they were pregnant. Completely unplanned, but they're happy. We're happy for them. Um, we, but we, my wife and I can't help but feel a little jealousy. Sure. Um, it's a it's a large family, so we we try to get together at least once a week. Um, and since we found about this about this pregnancy a month ago, it's a huge topic of conversation at every family gathering. Um, and so, like like I said, we're kind of feeling kind of jealous, and we're not sure how to handle it. I'm more of a uh, confrontal person. I just want to tell them to stop talking about Let's talk about something else. Uh, my wife is the exact opposite. Uh, there's been nights where we get home and then she'll start crying and kind of crying to me and saying it's not fair. And But again, we're happy. Uh, so again, we're not sure what to do. Um, is this a conversation we have with your family or is this something we need to figure out to deal with on our own? I don't like that you're making this a binary choice, man. And so I'm going to speak from experience here. Uh, my wife and I experienced um, seasons where we were trying to have kids and it didn't work out for us. Um, we ended up 
being fortunate enough to have two biological kids down the road, but um, there was big chunks of seasons throughout that time. And so, man, I want to affirm you. I've been there. The pain is real. The pain is super real. And it is frustrating and annoying and all of those things to hear other people talk about it. Um, I remember having conversations with my friends, my wife, um, when people would say, oh, no, we're pregnant again. Or, you know, the somebody at church or somebody at work would be talking about their 18-year-old. They found out they're having a child. And, um, and there was this sense that they didn't want the kid and it was unplanned and what are we going to do? And we're over here thinking, golly, it would be so great. Um, this is all that we thought we wanted at the time. Um, so that's real and good. What I'm concerned about is that you're making it an either or, that you either have to shut down the conversation and effectively own um, taking joy off the table for your family and your parents, your in-laws, or it's got to be the other thing. And I just don't, I don't think it, it has to be either or. You said you were confrontational. Why would you want to stop that conversation when your family's talking about um, we're so excited, we're going to have a new baby in the, in the family? Why would you feel the need to tell them to stop talking about it? Just because you're uncomfortable? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I'm happy for them. I'm totally stoked. I'm happy for this, this child and this new world. Um, but yeah, I, once, we get, once we start bringing it up, oh, as a topic goes on for minutes and longer, a part of me just starts getting annoyed and wants to change the conversation. Why do you get annoyed? Um, I, like I said, it's more jealousy. Um, okay. Because like, we want this. Um, and it's kind of a, more of a jealousy kind of thing is like, yeah. <laughs> so here's the deal, man. I, I'm, I don't want to be a jerk, but I'm going to be direct with you. I promise everybody I'll tell the truth. Um, jealousy is normal and jealousy is fine. It's when you say, I'm going to take my ball and go home. That's mm-hmm. when you act like a fifth grader. Um, mm-hmm. It's when I'm uncomfortable, and since I'm uncomfortable, then y'all all have to stop being comfortable so that we can all have this neutral playing field, right? Um, and, man, I, I want to encourage you strongly, dude. Don't do that. Don't take other people's joy. That doesn't lessen your hurt, right? Um, but there is a moment where – you can celebrate with them. You can be joyful with them. There's also seasons where, you know what? I can't have that conversation today, dude. So I'm not going to go. I'm going to re- remove myself from that situation, but I'm not going to take their joy from them. Does that make sense? So yeah. you all get together all the time. Maybe you and your wife skip a couple of those and y'all go on a date night together. And maybe the dynamic has shifted for a little while until you guys heal or until you guys are able to adopt and bring your own home, your, your own kid home. But I just – man, taking other people's joy is um, because you're jealous or because you're annoyed by the conversation or you're frustrated that they have something that you don't have. Um, man, that's immaturity at its deepest and and most rooted, right? And that doesn't minimize your pain. Um, but all you can control is your thoughts and actions, right? And choose to act mature and choose to act um, in other people's best interest, right? Right. So – this is a more personal question. Who's who's biologically challenged? Is it you or your wife? Uh, she is. She is? Okay. And so what I want to also encourage you to do is that's an extra deep, um, painful burden for her to carry. Um, mm-hmm. And as a guy, I want to be honest and vulnerable. Dude, I missed it by 100 miles. 
Um, I did not understand the depth of my body's failing me, that my body doesn't work right. I'm broken. I, I'm a woman and I'm put here on earth for one thing and I can't do the one thing. I, man, I missed that so deeply. And I want you to, at the same time you're celebrating your other family members as they have one kid and two kids and seven kids and all that stuff. I want you to not minimize your wife's pain because this is existential, this is spiritual, and this is deep, deep, deep in her heart. And so that may mean that y'all go talk to somebody. That may mean that you spend some extra time not trying to solve her problems but being with her and listening to her um, and encouraging her to talk. That means y'all may keep a, a like a couple's journal together on your journey towards adoption and give her an opportunity to voice some of that pain that she's feeling. Um, that it's not something that, um, Justin, it's not something that you and I can understand, uh, but it's something that we have to be aware and be really acutely attuned to, okay? Okay. Is she speaking with anybody? Does she have someone that she talks to? Does she have women in her life that, that she trusts that she can be vulnerable with? Uh, she's, in the past, she doesn't know. All right. She used to speak to a therapist in the past um, when we first found out. Okay. Um, but right now she has her sister. She has her mom. She's really close with her family. Uh, she has a couple friends that she's really close to, and it's a conversation that we've had. Good deal. Well, man, it sounds like you're you're on it with her, and I'm glad that she's got resources and support. Um, the greatest thing a partner can do especially a knuckleheaded guy like me, a knuckleheaded guy like you, Justin, and I'm just lumping you in with all of us. A great thing you can do is to be make intentional time where you will hold her hands, you will look her in the eye, and you say, I want to hear how you're really doing today. And she'll may soft play it because she wants to protect your feelings and your heart too. And when she says, I'm good, I'm just upset, I just don't want to hear the stories anymore, you say great things. But really, how are you doing today? And then when she tells you, she may not. She may unload on you. She may um, cry from a place that you didn't know she had inside of her. I don't want you to try to solve it. I don't want you to give her more information. I want you to hold her hands. I want you to look her in the eye and say, that sucks. But I love you and thank you for sharing. And Justin, that's it. Every guy across the country The women in our lives need less information, less of us trying to solve their hurt and pain, and more of us being with them, just hearing and acknowledging, looking them in the eye and saying, this sucks, it's not fair, it's wrong, it hurts, I'm jealous, I'm pissed off, I'm frustrated, and I hear you and thank you for sharing that. And just the presence of being with somebody is so powerful and important, man. But Justin, thank you so much for that call, brother, and yeah, to everybody. There is a difference between your pain and taking somebody else's joy off the table and wherever possible. Pain is not some zero. There's not just a a certain amount of pain. Comparing pain doesn't do any good. Pain, pain is pain. Hurt is hurt. It is what it is. But joy is the same way. There's not some zero on joy. And Justin and his wife are going to have to reframe what their picture was going to be. They're going to adopt. They're going to have a beautiful adoptive family. It's going to be incredible. They're going to love them deeply. They're going to be great parents, but it's going to be a different picture. And that's all right. 
So good for you, Justin. We'll be thinking about you, brother. After you adopt, after you get that first baby and you come home, Justin, I want you to call me back because we're going to celebrate with you here on the, the, the show. All right, let's go to Katie in Dickinson, North Dakota. Katie, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, John? Good, good, good. How can I help you this morning? Well, I was calling because a couple years ago, Ryan and I, my husband and I, we uh, went through a really tough time. We moved out to this rural place in North Dakota, and I just started living this kind of single life, even though we were still married. And um, What does that mean? Uh, just like, so he was working nights, and I, did, I had a bunch of time to myself. I was working remotely. I didn't get a lot of adult interaction, so I picked up like an extra job, and I was... After my job, I'd go out every night, and I would stay out late, and I was, um, you know, making friends with guys. And even though it was platonic, like, I, I didn't understand how, uh, I don't know, I guess irresponsible or not okay that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, there was a lot of trust issues mm-hmm. uh, just because then he was kind of trying to forbid me to hang out with these guys, and I didn't really get, get it and how important it was to him. And so I... I just didn't stop and we would, you know, go play basketball and then go hit the bars and go play volleyball and then, you know, have something to drink. And it was just, um, did you ever cheat on him? Yeah, it was, I did not. So Mm. that's one thing is that while no infidelity occurred, you know, he was still as broken as if it did occur. Mm. And after this time we had a certain amount of time, I can't remember if it was six months, you know, we, we finally got to this breaking point where I think it hit me and we went to a counselor and we saw a good priest. And over time, I would say about two years ago now, we, we got to a point where we were whole again. And while, while it still hurts for him. So this is why I'm calling because, you know, we, you know, couples fight. So a couple of days ago, a fight happened and he brought up, you know, stuff that happens you know, six months ago, eight months ago, two years ago, mm. and he brings it into current fights. And while I want to be understanding of his wounds, and I totally know I, I hurt him, and he's got these, still has these trust issues, not only with me, but his past relationships. You know, how can I be understanding and listen and be a good wife and, and, um, and listen, you know, and not, but not dwell on these past issues. I mean, I don't want to live in the past because I really didn't like how ugly of a person I was, Mm. but I have to know that that's still so fresh in his mind. And those probably trust issues are going to come up for a while yet. And how, how do we work around this or how, how can I be, be more understanding of this while not, I don't know. Yeah. Just dwelling on that person. I was, I I think number one, you've got to forgive yourself. And if your husband, through time with a counselor, through time with just time separate, right, for a couple of years since then, if your husband's forgiven you, if he sat with your pastor, your priest, and he said he forgives you, you've got to forgive you, number one. Number two, mm-hmm. fights and painful moments, man, they dredge up old stuff, and things come mm-hmm. firing out of us sometimes. Um, and you've got to give him some grace, too, but at the same time, he's if he said he forgives you and he said he's ready to work on the marriage, this is two years ago, and y'all are whole and you're moving forward, yeah. then you're whole and you're moving mm-hmm. forward. And so at some point, he's got to stop weaponizing the past also. Right. Now, I'm telling you that to tell you this. You cannot, in a heated moment, bring that up. That's not helpful. That's not no. supportive. Um, afterwards, 
right? Y'all go to breakfast, you go have lunch, and you talk about the fight, and you say, hey, I didn't like what I said. Um, I, I got frustrated, but I need you to not weaponize the past again. And you said you forgive me. You said we put that stuff down. I'm living this new life. I've recommitted to our relationship. We're two years away from that stuff now. Let's continue to move forward. Mm -hmm. And at some point, both of you have to put those bricks down and stop using them to burden yourselves or stop using them as weapons. Or you just need to go your separate ways, right? And I'm not a fan of that at all. It sounds like you've reconciled it and y'all are back in the same place. But picking up old bricks to throw them at each other, it does nobody any good. It just leaves Mm -hmm. bloody, broken messes. So if he, even if he has forgiven me, like obviously this hurt is still, you know, it's still maybe more fresh in his mind than, than we would like it to be. Is that something where he needs to go see a counselor by himself? Was it, would it be more beneficial for us to see a counselor together? You know, we've had some sessions. We've obviously been through marriage counseling, you know, for quite a while, but you know, we took, we haven't been to one for probably a year now, or is that just something he needs to work? Maybe I should give him the option to work through himself or if he wants to be by his side. Yeah, I, I think asking him, I think that's being a supportive partner, asking him to um, what he needs, what he would like, right? His role in this deal. Yeah, I think it's, I think you're a year out after something that was tough for both of you. Um, whatever it works, it, y'all experience it as tough. So a year out, yeah, go get a tune up, go check in. Let, a, let him know you didn't like the way that fight ended. You didn't like stuff coming up from a couple of years ago that you thought you were both past. You sound like you need help forgiving you, and you're still like to go back to the backyard and pick up old bricks and carry them around to the front yard every once in a while. We all do that. Um, when I get sleepy and I haven't been eating well and I'm having moments of shame and self-doubt, I'll think of things I said when I was 14 that I wish I could have back. And I'm an old man now, and, and I, I don't know where those things come from, but they pop up, and I've got to be really diligent about controlling my thoughts and my behaviors and not giving them headspace to dwell and to take root again. But your husband's got to go do some work for himself. You mentioned he's got past relationships where he's got challenges. Um, He obviously ran into some trust issues with you. He didn't like the way you were handling yourself, which – and let's be honest. I don't blame him, right? If – He's working nights. He's feeling like he's supporting you. He's supporting this family. He's trying to grow this new house. And you basically started dating again. You didn't You didn't cheat on him. You didn't um, uh, do anything that violated the letter of the law there. But for whatever reason, he was uncomfortable with you having a bunch of guy friends and going to bars and going to play and going to hang out and going to movies, which, again, I don't blame him. But at the same time, it's not like you talked to you. Y'all worked it out. You forgave each other. You went and got counseling, and now you've moved on to this new life. And so I don't want to belabor the point, but at some point, he's going to have to go do the work to get whole too because he's still hanging on to stuff. And this is a broader conversation for everybody, this idea that once you forgive something and you look somebody in the eye and you say, I am done, I forgive you, I am giving you pardon, or you've made – You've paid your penance. We're back together here. To pick that back up and hit somebody with that is just violence. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't help you. It doesn't heal them. I do understand saying things when you get frustrated and you get sad and you get upset. When your patience and your wisdom and your exhaustion thins out your decision-making ability, things pop out. I get that. Um, But don't bring up stuff from the past just to abuse folks with. Don't do that. Don't do that. And if you feel yourself doing it, if you feel yourself that becoming your default setting, you know, this is the third night this week. The dishes are out. Just like that time three years ago, don't do that. Don't do that. 
because that becomes your issue, not theirs. All right, let's go to take uh, one more call. Let's talk to Matt in Louisville. Matt, hey, what, before we get going, is it Louisville or Louisville? It's Louisville. Louisville. I'm from Texas. We can always tell when somebody's not from the area because they say Louisville or Louisville. I'm from Texas and Tennessee. I'm going with Louisville, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Matt. Matt from Louisville. Go ahead, brother. (laughs) Yeah, um, so I'm calling in because um, my wife and I, we've been married almost 10 years in this October, this coming up October. Um, This has come up before where she said that I've just, been a very selfish person um a lot of times like she'll come and tell me that i've made her upset about something and my go-to emotion seems to just be anger like um i just get mad at her for telling me that i messed up with something and that i didn't fix something the right way and like i guess i kind of get scared like when she brings that to me because I feel like I'm supposed to fix her problems, even if it's not a problem between us. It's just an emotion that she's had with someone else. And she's coming to me because I'm her husband. and I'm supposed to be there to listen to her. And I just, I, I don't know why, but my go-to emotion is anchor. You just jumped issues on me. So she, you, you, you made it sound like one thing, but it's actually two. So she comes to you with challenges about you first and you right. respond with anger. And then, mm-hmm. separately, so there's a period at the end of that sentence, then separately she comes and talks about other feelings she's having, about other issues she's having with other people, and that makes you angry and frustrated too because you don't know how to solve those? Right, yeah. Okay, so let's deal with the first one. When she comes to you and says okay. she's got problems with you or she doesn't like the way you've done something, is she right? 90% of the time, yeah. So why do you get angry? I guess because I try to be, I'm a perfectionist. I try to make everything perfect. And when something doesn't go the way I thought it should go, it angers me. And if I'm, if I'm doing something and I thought I did it correctly and it was great, but it upset her. And then she comes and tells me about it that I think that's where the anger comes from. I thought, well, in my head, it was perfect Mm. and it was great. Are Are you angry at her? or Are you angry at you? I think ultimately I'm angry at myself, but I take it out on her. Hmm. And maybe I am angry at her too for a little bit because she pointed it out, but I know that's how I grow and I make improvements to myself when people point those criticisms out to me. Yeah. So dude, here's the thing. Um, Dr. Chip Dodd, I love the way he presents anger. Uh, he, he helped me reimagine anger. All anger is, is a cue that you care about something. It's a good thing. It is a directional arrow towards something that you are passionate about, that you love, or that you care about. That's what Mm -hmm. anger is, right? Okay. Acting immature and acting like a six-year-old and stomping your feet and yelling or lashing out to somebody at somebody who's trying to help you, that's acting like a baby, acting like a child. And so feeling angry... Having that well up inside of you, ah, I tried my best and it wasn't good enough, or I tried my best and I just did the wrong thing, man, that's natural feeling. That's good. Treating your wife with disrespect, treating her without dignity just because she's trying to lean into you, man, that's not cool. At the end of the day, you're letting your feelings and your emotions drive your car instead of your thoughts and your actions. Okay. And so 
the default setting you've got to adjust to, brother, is think about a car, the front two tires. Those are your thoughts, your thinking, and your actions. And so when she comes in and says, hey, man, you did the dishes last night. You put them all in the wrong spot. We've talked about this. Can you please put them in the right spot? And Mm -hmm. that thought pops in your head. Oh, yeah, well, you – that's when you have a moment to stop. Stop that thought and say, nope. And then you can replace that thought with, you're right, we've talked about this, and I was trying to do something nice, um, and I didn't do it right, and I'm going to fix that. And then your actions are you can stand up and go fix it, or you can stand up and look her in the eye and say, thank you for telling me that. I was an idiot, and let that be that. But instead, you're letting the back two tires of your car, which is your physiology, like the way your body feels, your heart gets Mm -hmm. racing, and your chest gets tight, and you flex your muscles, and you're like, what's up? And your emotions, right? They rage. You just get angry, angry, right? Right. And so you have got to practice moving your, letting the front two wheels of your car drive, brother. And then the other side of this, man, when she comes to you with, hey, this happened today. This is a feeling I had. This is a frustration. Why do you get angry about that when she's trying to connect with you that way? I don't know. That's that's a really good question, and that's kind of like what I'm trying to figure out is why that upsets me. I guess that's where like my selfishness comes in, to where I'm just like, well, that that happened to you. That didn't happen to me. But that sounds like really bad when I hear it. I've never actually said that out loud, and <laughs> that doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> so I'm I'm laughing. Right. I'm laughing at you, not with you. Okay, like right, I got you. what? Why would somebody that you're married to for a decade of your life, she's basically another arm and leg for you, right? Mm-hmm. Why does her thoughts and feelings annoy you? I don't know. That's a good question. Where is that selfishness <laughs> rooted in, man? I guess maybe that I feel like, I mean, there's a couple issues that we're trying to deal with. We actually just started marriage counseling Monday night. Right. And... So we're kind of working through that, but, um, I know when something hasn't happened that I need in our marriage, it makes those times when she comes to me with her feelings and I'm, I'm kind of like acting selfish. So I'm like, well, you didn't give me what I need, so I'm not going to give you what you need. So are you talking about sex? She doesn't perform like you want her to or with the regularity you want. So you're going to show her. Right. And where does that where does that behavior usually start? I'll just cut to the chase. It starts on a playground, right? You didn't pick me for your team, so I'm not going to pick you for my team. Again, we are back to back to my brother Matt in Louisville acting like a four year old. The beauty right. is, I will say this: you've done a very um, admirable adult thing, and you have decided you're going to go work on this. Now she may be dragging you, but the deal is you're going. Here's what I want you to promise me and the entire world listening to this podcast. You got it? Yep. When you go to your next counseling session, I want you to tell them, I talked to some Yahoo on the radio, some quack on a podcast, and I said some things out loud that made me realize I'm selfish and I'm immature and I want to fix that. And my promise to you is there are ways to fix that. You and your right. wife are in a wonky dance right now where you have shut off all environmental signals 
for intimacy and for connection because she's coming to you with her feelings. She's coming to you with her heart and you are getting frustrated and annoyed by that because she's interrupting your game or you're checking out golf stuff on a website or whatever weird stuff you do in Louisville and you're frustrated. And so she has no environmental um, signals saying that you want to be connected, you want to be intimate. And then you circle around and be like, hey, I'm not getting enough sex. And so I'm going to show you. And there's nothing sexual about what's going on in your house right now because (laughs) you're annoyed by her. Um, You're annoyed when she shares her heart. You're annoyed when she doesn't do exactly what you want. And it's just making this figure eight of frustration, right? And so at some point, somebody's got to step up and say, I'm breaking the figure eight. I'm going to stop it. And sexuality and intimacy and volume, that starts with a series of, of environmental offs and ons not a series of my sex drives more than yours. That's a whole other conversation that we can have another day. But I want you to start with your therapist. Start with your marriage counselor. I'm proud of you for going, man. Walk in that door and say, hey, listen, I'm selfish. I'm immature. I act like a child. The way I respond to you leaves no no room for you to even think about intimacy in here because I've not created a safe and welcoming place, a place where you belong, where your feelings belong, where I can listen to you, where I can just look you on and say, that sucks. I hate that somebody treated you like that at work today. Or man, I didn't do the dishes right again. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to get it right. I walked right past my shoes that I left on the front porch. I didn't fill your car up with gas. I'm sorry. I'm going to make that right. And not that little boy rage. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm taking my bag and going home. That starts with you, Matt. That starts with you. And I think you've got the courage to do it. And I'm giving you a hard time because I see some of that behavior in myself. I see that behavior in millions of men all across the country where we were not taught. We were not trained on how to be in relationship. We were taught how to win. We were taught how to compete. And we were taught that being a boy meant being over, not with. And I want you to and take this time, take this snapshot. You've been together a decade. you got decades ahead of you. I want you to take this time with a marriage counselor, and I want you to learn the skills of connecting. Learn the skills of shutting your mouth and being with. Learn the skills of when you feel that anger inside that tells you you're not good, you, didn't, you failed, you suck, that you go, nope, I am a person of value. She loves me, and I'm going to go make this right because she's worth it. So, Matt, I want to honor you, man. Thank you for the call. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks to everybody who called today. And as we always do, we're going to end the day with the lyric of the day. And I'm going to be honest with you. I wrestled with this because I've got four or five or six albums that I think are just incredible. But at the end of the day, no album can touch. There's like Zeppelin and the Beatles and Jay-Z and then there's a big gap, and then there's poison, and then there's a bigger gap, and on top of that mountain sits Eric B. and Rakim. Eric B. and Rakim from their classic album, Paid in Full, and here's what they want everyone to know. They want everyone to know. Eric B. and Rakim want everyone to know. They ain't no joke. Here's what they say. I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic smoke, and now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. What? And when I'm gone, no one gets out. No one gets on, because I won't let. Nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to wander in a crowd and watch the people wonder. (laughs) 
This is the Dr. John Deloney Show.